And we are here, here battling the coronavirus. We are here today to talk to you about the most important things in the world of Marvel movies, comics, and culture. Oh my god, this is the greatest, most epic thing that has ever happened in the history of podcasting. The coronavirus has taken over the major media, and we are here to make sure that you go to war with the coronavirus! And welcome to your alternative media podcasting. <laughs> now that the coronavirus has taken over and we're all fucking doomed, we it's are still here determined. Armageddon is here. Ragnarok has arrived. <laughs> we are determined to keep on providing you shitty movie news and reviews throughout the coronavirus pandemic. That's right. We are here to provide you a brief blip of hilarious entertainment while you deal with the extreme panic, don't forget to get your medical mask, even though it doesn't do anything. Yeah, oh my god. Pay $500 for a box of hand sanitizer that normally costs $6. Dude, try, trying to buy hand sanitizer right now is like trying to get the Snyder Cut released. Like, oh, man. You're like you, at this point, you're gonna have you're you're more likely to have the Snyder Cut released than you are to be able to find hand sanitizer for under like a thousand dollars. You know what? That's a great analogy because because when you get your overpriced hand sanitizer, <laughs> it's still gonna suck. It's still gonna suck, and you realize that it was just the same regular hand sanitizer the entire time. <laughs> Like it's when we not, when we finally watch the Snyder Cut, we're gonna be like, oh wow, yeah, nope, still sucks. You know, and they they're getting dangerously close. I'm hearing because like everybody in the streaming wars wants their gimmick, right? Oh, so God. so now HBO Max is like like saying that they're gonna come out. We're gonna release the Snyder Cut. We are going to release. And then I hear now that Zack Snyder wants to do like additional filming. For that Snyder Cut? Wait, it's like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. If you had a cut that was done, that was not the cut that we got, and you said it was done, and it was finished, yep. and you have a copy, why do you have to film more scenes? Exactly. What, what do you have to do there? That doesn't make any sense to me. Because he is a <laughs> fucking hack. Just dangerously so, trying to, and just grabbing at straws, trying to do anything to stay relevant. It's hilarious. But, um, <laughs> you know, so speaking of rumors, we heard a lot of interesting ones this week. Well, before we jump into this, uh, let's make sure they know what they're listening to and who we are. <laughs> oh, we're, we're on the 50th episode. If people don't know by now, fuck them. Yeah, well, welcome. In case this is your first episode, welcome to Ready, Set, Review, <laughs> your favorite podcast for movies, comics, and culture. And coronavirus. And coronavirus. No, sans coronavirus. Yeah, without, without, without yeah, coronavirus. Without coronavirus. Without corona. <laughs> My corona. Uh, I am your handsome host, Anthony. And I am Matt. And we are here with an exciting show. We have a lot of cool stuff that we're going to talk about. So, okay. Now that let's should, jump in. That should, that should be our new headline. Like, ready, set, review. Now 99% coronavirus free. 99.99% yeah. coronavirus free. <laughs> A little, just a little bit of cancer. It's yeah, okay. just a little bit. Um, yeah. Can so you get can you get a medical marijuana 
uh, prescription for coronavirus? I feel like that kind of defeats the purpose because one of the main symptoms is respiratory issues. So oh, I feel yeah. like smoking weed is probably not going to help that along. What about edibles? Now, now we're talking. So, right? Like, right. what if I got THC ice cream and, and, like, just part of my treatment was just eating ice cream bars that are full of THC? I think that if I caught the coronavirus and I would obviously be fine because it's not dangerous to people that are young and healthy like me. However, if I was going to go and I knew that it was coming, I would probably just eat a lot of tabs of acid for those last eight hours of my oh, life man. and just fucking trip balls literally into oblivion. Tripping balls. How great would that be? Dude, dude, that's like the- I'm uh, putting that in my living will. If I, if I know I'm going to die and it's like, take them, off, take them off life support, but before you do, throw a few dabs in there and just- uh, <laughs> Just slip this under my tongue. <laughs> just give me some some LSD and some blue yeah. chew. I'll be fine. It's like, but, he, but he's a vegetable. How will we know if he'll respond to it? Oh, trust me. He'll, he'll respond. He'll respond. He'll be fine. All of a sudden, you're sitting there, your dick gets hard, and you're just tripping through fucking space. Can you imagine if LSD was, like, the unknown cure to, like, dementia and, like, and, and, and Alzheimer's and things like that? I mean, here's all I'm going to say. Ozzy Osbourne has probably done more drugs than any other human being on the planet. Like, the, the kind of drugs that'll kill you. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. But before he got into that phase in his life, he has talked about, and it's legendary, that for one year, and I think he's probably exaggerating, I would probably say it's more like close to eight months, that he took acid, like, almost every single day for, like, an entire year, or LSD. Yeah. And he, he's fine. Yeah. He's, just, he's good. There he's was, good. There was a professional pitcher who pitched a perfect game literally tripping his balls <laughs> off on acid. Like, that is a fact. Look it up. Do your research. It's amazing. One of the greatest stories in baseball history. But we are not here to talk about baseball. We are here to talk about rumors. Rumors and comics and culture. There are a lot of rumors swirling right now. So let's get into the biggest one. The biggest one. Before we even talk about the rumor, what precluded the rumor was the news that Dan DiDio, I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. I Yeah, I think it's DiDio. Um, the uh, the big swinging dick over at DC Comics Publications was retiring after yes. being essentially in charge of the whole production uh, for roughly 20 years. Yeah. And obviously next in line is is Jim Lee. But literally, no sooner did that news come out than this rumor right on its heels about the fact that Marvel was going to buy DC, the publishing arm of DC, so the comics publishing, not anything in terms of movie rights or anything, but just strictly the publishing arm, bring it under the Marvel banner and start publishing those DC characters under the Marvel banner. And yeah. We heard that news, and I, I remember one of our friends in one of our 10,000 group chats that we're in shared the link about the rumor like it was this oh, big yeah. news, and Anthony and I immediately were like, nah. No. Nope. The fucking bullshit nope. that is a 1,000% rumor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, so, and it's not that they're going to buy DC. They're just going to license and essentially write the stories and release the comics for a large percentage of the profits. Right. Right. And, and, you know, obviously just, you know, it, it's, it's, so it's, you know, not a monopoly or anything like that, but I just don't see it happening. No, it's not going to happen. You know, like Marvel and DC have collaborated a bunch of times in the past. It's, yeah. It, this really isn't like 
a a a stars versus HBO or Netflix versus Hulu kind of battle where like they don't get along or collaborate with each other. They 100% do. They've done it a bunch. In the 90s, there is a great, great story. And by great, I mean yeah, hilariously no. terrible, dude, but also so much fun. Dude, we were talking about this the other day, <laughs> and it was one of the comments I read on one of the – I think it was like comic book resources when they were posting their story. And in the comment section, there were a bunch of just these fucking mouth breathers that were like – it would be so cool if DC and Marvel merged. Remember how great the Amalgam Universe the was Amalgam after the crossover? Universe. And then, like, for as many people that were saying how cool it was, there were, like, three times as many being, no, no dude. It was stupid. fucking so bad. It was so stupid. So like, let's, let's talk a little bit about how <laughs> this kind of came to be. Because what, DC, the Amalgam Universe? No, 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 no. Not the Amalgam Universe in the 90s. The, the 90s was just like a terrible time. <laughs> Remember they tried to ride that wave? They started putting out individual issues of like, what was it? Dark, was it Darkwing? Dark Claw. Dark Claw. It was a mix of Batman yeah. and Wolverine. And then there was you the Superman, Super Captain Soldier. America. Yeah, Super Soldier. Which when he, was, he had that Superman and Captain America. He had that ridiculous S on the shield. Yeah, it was the like, Superman symbol as his shield. And then, and then uh, Superboy and the Ben Ry- and Ben Riley Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Boy. Yep. Uh, it yeah. was. It was also which, terrible. It was so bad. The whole thing. And then I think it was. He like, had the gun, the webbing gun. The webbing gun. <laughs> and like, and like, I think it was Storm and Wonder Woman. I think it was Storm and Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah and they uh, did like, oh god. And, and then like, like Green Lantern and who did Green Lantern merge with? I know he fought Silver Surfer, but they had a yeah. merge with somebody else. Oh, it was forget. all retarded. Yeah, it, it was, was so goddamn ass It was all ridiculous. And, and then it ended up just going away, which, like, a lot of things that they wrote yeah. in the It 90s. was, like, bad but fan fiction. So, so DC has, in the last couple of years, has actually had a couple of really good stories. And one of the, the storylines that they created was a story called Doomsday Clock. Now, Doomsday Clock was essentially they were integrating uh, the Watchmen storyline into the mainstream DC universe because DC years and years ago bought the rights to Watchmen, which originally had released as an independent comic. Now, Doomsday Clock was a great story, but with as it goes with a lot of DC major crossovers, they did a rewrite of almost the entire universe. And now DC decided that it would be better for their comics to get away from the typical heroes that we know and love and rewrite them completely. And it seems like this huge, you know, SJW move that's it's it's overly PC for the sake of being PC. And it just it nobody bought it. Yeah. Right. And- like instead of creating new characters that they can fit into the universe that are you know, that do represent, you know, some of the people that aren't being represented or, or some of the groups that aren't being represented that people feel. Yep. They decided to change the characters that we know and love, like Batman and Superman yep. and everything like that, to be these different, completely different people, these completely different characters. So it it gets completely away from the characters that you have in the movies. And what the movies should do is enhance the sale of the comic books. Exactly. You should have, you should be using the movies 
to get people into reading comics and because a people don't read enough anymore, but, but to get people into reading the comics and to use it as a way to, to sell more comic books. So you need to have the characters that are in the movies in the comic books. And it's just not what they're doing at all. And that's one of the things I do actually give DC credit for is not doing what, so they, they kind of did what Marvel did, but then didn't at the same time. Cause if you remember like four years ago or maybe five years ago, Marvel did the same social justice warrior bullshit where they started revamping all of their prime characters into these <laughs> ridiculous new versions. So you had yep. Jane Foster as Lady Thor, which was like, again, I have no problem with Jane Foster being Thor, but the way they did it was so dumb because they made her like a cancer patient. So it was like she was literally only Thor when and it was supposed to be like this story of empowerment, but it just fell totally flat. And then you had uh, uh, Falcon become Captain America, which was retarded because half of what makes Captain America great is the super soldier with Falcon didn't have. So right. his character was like totally overblown. And then you had uh, Amadeus Cho as the Hulk. Yeah, and it was like was so completely dumb. So dumb. they did all of these things. And instead of, and again, it's exactly what you said. And people were pissed about it. And it's like, and everybody had this, there was like this backlash from the SJW community, it's like, oh, you guys just aren't woke enough to understand. And it's like, no, it's not that we're not woke. It's just that we want our comics, we want our comic book creators to instead of like butchering characters that we've loved for half a half a generation now, a full generation, instead of butchering these characters, just create new fucking characters. If you want, if you want more black characters, if you want more Indian characters, if you want more Muslim characters, whatever it is, just create new fucking characters. Like Kamala Khan, Captain Marvel, brand new character. They call yeah. her Captain Marvel because that was like her hero and her icon. But Miss Marvel, whatever, like brand new character, yeah. brand new set of powers, yeah. and she is awesome. She's great and completely different than the completely normal, different. You know, Miss Marvel or exactly, Captain Marvel, and everything right? else they did around that same time was dog shit. But back to my original point, I give DC credit for um, not taking the same route that Marvel did, which was changing their comics, doing a bunch of bullshit retconning to fit more in line with the movies. Because, you know, the movies are, the MCU movies are super popular. They all make a billion dollars. And they did a lot, of, in the last 10 years, they've done a lot of retconning yeah. of core characters to fit more into the movie versions of those characters. And sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. Right, but you want them to be the same character. So even if you don't make them like they are in the movies or as that, that with the personalities, like in Batman versus Superman, Batman was like a Batman out for blood, which is completely different than the character in the comics, right? right? You know, he's the, he's the one guy that doesn't kill and, and in the movie he did a lot of that. So... So they went away from like his personality, but it was still Bruce Wayne. It was exactly. still the the billionaire playboy, you know. And and I thought that again, Ben Affleck, and we've said this many times, did a really good job. Now at the same time, you know, you want to be able to use that, but there's so many characters that they have written over the years that do fit into these different categories yeah. where they do represent these different individuals that you could just bring either back these characters or just make them a more prominent character. Which is why right? like I... Use Black Lightning. Make Black Lightning a bigger, better, yeah. more prominent character. Make him the leader of the Justice League and who cares? But then it's an actual character who's been there forever, who's got backstory. You can literally go back years and years, you know, 20, 30 years and go and read his history of this character. So there's this automatic built-in backstory and you have this already made character that's there. 
Like, I have no problem with that. It's like I've said, I've said this like countless times, maybe not on the podcast, but just in discussions. And a lot of people shit on Brian Michael Bendis. I, yeah. In my opinion, very unfairly. It's like, yeah. yeah, like say what you will about, you know, it's like he sort of made all, every character overly quippy and injected a lot of unnecessary humor and like whatever. But one of the things that Brian Michael Bendis did when he sort of like took creative control of a lot of the main stories in the Marvel Universe, like around even as early as 1999 when Avengers Disassembled started, right? Which was a great story. Amazing story. And, and, and it ushered in a literal decade and then some of amazing Marvel storytelling. He did something that um, to this day has not been replicated. He went back into like the fucking annals of Marvel history and pulled out all of these old characters that had been more or less forgotten from a starring lineup perspective and made them stars. Luke Cage, Shang-Chi, Moon Knight, Iron Fist. He brought he made them fucking Avengers. He brought all of these characters back. These were like B and C list characters that had been forgotten about in the Marvel Universe. Ancillary at best. And he made them headliners. And the stories he told were incredible with that. Yeah, I agree. And bringing back... like. Luke Cage, Power Man, is a great example. I mean, here was this 1970s cheesy kind of black exploitation character, and you bring him into the early 2000s and you redo and and kind of like retool his character and yeah. his personality. You bring him into the modern age a little bit. And you bring him into the modern age, and he was great. So and he was amazing. Yep. Right? You know, same thing with Shang-Chi as well. Like, great character, amazing. You know, there's plenty of female characters that are out there already in the universe. Just bring them into a larger light. You do not need to replace the main characters, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, with these SJW versions just for the sake of doing an SJW version. You can just add in a different character. And look, I mean, even Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart was yep. one of the coolest Green Lanterns. You know, and he was very, very, like, he, he was that cool, like, shaft kind of... You know, Green Lantern character. He was very military. The way yeah, like takes they, no shit. And they like, even they even made it down to like you could really make interesting you know storylines where he was different because he thought about his different constructs in terms of like the actual components right. that were there. So like if he was going to make a construct of a gun, it would be like a gun with every single moving part and every single component. So the way that his mind worked was completely different than like a Kyle Rayner who was very cartoony and over the top or like a Hal Jordan who was military as well, but he was like a hotshot, you know, cocky pilot. Fighter pilot. Those guys guys don't count. (laughs) (laughs) So, so like you can, you can do this and I don't have a problem with it. Just do it with the characters that you have and that already have a backstory. Exactly. And I think that the one thing, the one, one of the, one of the reasons why, I mean, again, let's get the obvious out of the way. This is a rumor. This is not happening. Marvel is not taking over any parts of DC publications. But I honestly, I think I'm glad that they don't because, listen, I'm a Marvel fan. I'm a DC fan too, but I definitely read more Marvel than I read DC. Like, that's just a fact. Yeah. Um, I just just find their characters and stories generally more interesting. There's only so many crisis events that I can take. But But that being said, though, Marvel, since, pretty much since Avengers versus X-Men, um... Marvel, actually, that's not true. Even during the Bendis era, Marvel had a lot of annual um, events. But all of those annual events fit into the broader story that was being told. As soon as that stopped, pretty much everything post Avengers versus X Men, a lot of that's when it started to get hairy. And especially, especially when like Civil War the movie came out, 
Like, there's a real thing. Event fatigue is a real thing. Marvel kept oh, on yeah. pushing these big, world-changing events year after year after year. Every single year, there was a big crossover event that involved the entire fucking Marvel Universe with these long, you know, quote, long-lasting repercussions that would literally only last for a year because then the next thing would come. First, it was Civil War Two, and then it was, um, and then and after Civil War Two, then it was Secret Empire, yeah, Secret and then Empire. there was like, there's been like right. five more since then, and they've mm. all. I, I'm sorry, they've. I've read them all. They're all terrible. They're yeah. all bad. Like yeah. a lot of, and the, and it 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 kills me because. One of the things that made Marvel great, in my opinion, for so many years was the long-form storytelling that guys like Chris Claremont mastered, where he would have ongoing story arcs for the X-Men, major story arcs that would last years and years and years and years. And in that time, the teams would change, people would grow and change and move, and things would happen. You'd have little mini-crossovers within that, all building to a bigger story. That doesn't happen anymore. Now all of a sudden it's just like no individual comic book title matters anymore because everything is just leading up to the next big event and no individual characters have chances to grow and develop anymore. They're just hopping from one world-ending event to the next. Yeah, and I think that one of the issues is is that they oversaturate with all of their big-name characters, right? So you've got your big-selling characters like you know Spider-Man and, and Captain America and stuff like that. But when, with, especially with Spider-Man, right, you've got Web of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. you know, Spider-Man in Amazing Stories. Right. You've got like six different comics that all focus around Spider-Man and they all have to have a different story exactly. that's attached to them. And so, like, you write so many stories and you can only tell so much. And DC so, does the same thing. Like, look at this. Exactly. You have action comics. You have Superman, Detective Comics, Man Batman, Steel. Man of Steel. Yeah. You know. Superman in action yeah. comics. Green know? Lantern. How Jordan the Green Lantern Corps. How Jordan the Green Lantern. You know, yeah. and then the regular. It's, it's, it's yeah. so much. And speaking of Green Lantern, so I want to talk about DC Rebirth for a second, right? Yeah. Did you. So when DC Rebirth came out, so we're talking about, like, how Dan DeDio was kind of, like, on the outs with things. When Rebirth came out, I was very excited because I hated New 52. And a lot of the Rebirth titles that came out, the individual titles, I really felt like they were getting back to that long-form, individual, character-developing <laughs> storytelling. Like yeah. how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, The Flash Rebirth, um, Detective Comics Rebirth, those are all incredible, single, individual storylines running throughout. But... The JLA storylines. Have you read JLA Rebirth? No. Dude, no. it is. The only Rebirth I read was uh, Red Hood and The Outlaws. Dude, JLA Rebirth is was Red almost unreadable. It is like a travesty to JLA because it takes. Yeah. Imagine, you know, we always rail on the DCEU movies. Every movie is a world ending thing. That's what the JLA was. Every like six issue arc was a new world ending thing and shit they were just pulling out of the fucking sky and it yeah. made no sense and it was absolutely terrible. Yeah, you don't have to make it. That's such lazy story writing where you don't have to make everything like a world ending event because it degrades any kind of world ending event. Now, again, Doomsday Clock, in my opinion, was the best storyline that they have written in probably the last 10 years. Yeah. And it was just, it was incredibly well done. It was incredibly well written. But it, the way that they're going from it and like redoing the entire universe, it just, it's not, it's it's just not good. And, and it, it fails. But at the same time, it, it's understandable why, um, 
why they would want uh, to kind of redo or have someone come in, you know, now that they're getting rid of their CEO and they want somebody else to take over and yep. the comics haven't been selling as much, right? It's, it's not unlike any other company, right? You know, you want to be able to kind of change things and mix things up when a new, you know, head of, of the industry comes in. But at the same time, you just, you need to saturate us less with the great characters yeah. because then it makes people only want to buy the, the, the core issues, right? Right, rather than like Batman and right. Detective Comics and Batman in Detective Comics, then you have to like you you just are buying Batman. See, here's what they need to do, and this goes for both Marvel and DC because what they've both been suffering from is that the team books are terrible because it's all one world-ending event after the other. And I understand to a point. I understand the logic behind that because from their perspective, they're thinking, okay. If we're going to have a team book with all of our most powerful and popular characters, there needs to be a threat equal to that level of power, right. which equal I get that. that. However, what all of the team books did throughout the 90s, what made them better, whether it was Avengers or JLA or X-Men, they need to go back to following the formula that specifically shows like Justice League Unlimited did, where you yeah. have a roster of, call it 20, 30 characters or whatever, but not all of those characters need to participate in all of the stories. Avengers in the 90s did this really well, and so did JLA in the comic books. They had their, their team, and it was a big team, but issue to issue, not every single character appeared. Sometimes you'd have just like, you know, yeah. missions with two or three of the characters, or yeah. four or five different groups. And sometimes you wouldn't see characters on the team for like several issues. Go back to that style of storytelling. Not everything needs to be the end of the world. Have little like like side quests almost. You know, yeah, like, every single issue should not be the world ending. Like no, it's just it every single story arc it should not be that. It shouldn't. So if Marvel ends up licensing, which again we really do not think I call bullshit. Going to, yeah, and it certainly won't affect the the film universe. It won't affect any of the movies. You're never going to see Batman in a Spider Man movie. That's just never going to happen. But what would it and I mean could, could there be cool storylines that they do of course yeah. if it's well written but they could but do it without they, the like they yeah. do it without like, it. they've it already like you matter. said they've already done it they just yeah. keep on doing that shit yeah so so okay so uh, moving on from here let's let's move into the kind of movie universe and let's talk about some rumors about something that a lot of people have been wondering about and that is the character of Wolverine Wolverine is one of the most beloved movie characters. Hugh Jackman, when he was first cast as Wolverine, not a lot of people liked it. Not, not a lot of people didn't think that he was going to be a good part. But then when he was in X-Men and then X2 and X-Men 3 and all of the subsequent movies, I mean, Hugh Jackman just he is, he is Wolverine. Wolverine. He just yeah. is Wolverine, right? And it's very hard to see any other actor trying to play that role. So I, I think that it's a very it's very hard shoes to fill. However, the current rumor right now is that Marvel is looking at Henry Cavill as Wolverine. So stupid. Okay. So stupid on so on so many levels. And here's just the, the main reason. He Henry Cavill is like this is not like a, a Chris Evans Human Torch scenario where he came off of that role and went to, to to play a fantastic Captain America. Right. Like the Fantastic Four movies were awful and right. they got horrible press, didn't make a lot of money. Right. By contrast, Henry Cavill as Superman, those movies were awful too. 
However, the difference between the Fantastic Four they movies and uh, not even the fact that they made a lot of money, those movies that, that Cavill played Superman in, they were specifically made to be part of a broader universe, the linchpin of a universe, whereas those Fantastic Four movies were totally on their own. And there was a solid, like, five-year gap in between uh, Evans playing the Human Torch and playing Captain America. And he looked completely different. Exactly. He bulked up, he was huge. Exactly. It was way, way different than than it would be with with Henry Cable because he's still in really good shape. And it, it's so different because Human Torch is an ancillary character. I right. hate to say that, he's but a, he's he a is. team member. He's a team player. He's, a team he's not member. a, yeah. You don't want to hear ever about Human yeah. Torch. There's no Human of, Torch comic. Yeah, outside yeah. of the Fantastic Four. Exactly. However, Superman is literally one of the most iconic characters ever written. Yep. And you can't go from playing Superman to playing Wolverine. It right. just It's just not going to work. Right, and I don't want to talk about the height thing, right? Because that's that's, no, because that's like whatever. Like that's because such and it was the same thing with Hugh Jackman, thing. right? Hugh Jackman was six foot one. Yeah, Wolverine is supposed to be five foot three. Okay, yeah. he's he's notoriously a short character who's Canadian and like he's got short guy syndrome, yeah. right? And like whatever. if you don't plan on putting the fastball special in the movie, his height does not matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Even if you did want to put like the fastball, they, they have a bigger they, guy. Yeah, they have the Hulk. They even did it in other movies. Yeah, exactly. Right? So so it's not like a big thing. And Henry Cavill is six foot two. He's an inch taller than than Hugh Jackman, but Hugh yeah. Jackman was six foot one. Who cares? And it's, right? Like, he was great as Wolverine. Yeah. And for me, I think, and like, to be fair, you know, I think that, like you said about people being upset about it, there have been plenty of other scenarios where Hugh, Hugh Jackman being one of them, even dating as far back to when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman, as Batman. where fans were oh, up in Mr. arms. Mom, yeah, Mr. exactly. Mom. Where fans were up in arms. So Heath Ledger is Joker. Exactly. Heath Ledger, nobody liked him. So, so let's be clear here. We don't. We are not saying that Henry Cavill does not have the ability to play Wolverine. We, no, we even think he would be a great Wolverine. I think he would. We just think that because of what he has done in his most immediate past as Superman, as that big name of a character, like his his. Just to give you an example, when we were at the the Warner Brothers Studio Tour yes. in California yes. um, last year. There's no Christopher Reeve on the wall. It's Henry Cavill as yeah. Superman. Yeah. So to have that still sitting there and then have him playing Wolverine, who you know will become a major player in the MCU when they bring in mutants, it just it, it doesn't jive. Even if he did well with the role, it would take a while to get used to. And I think the first time you the first couple times you see him, I think it would suffer from his most recent appearance as a Superman. Yeah. And I, I think it's better if Henry Cavill goes back to being Superman. Like, regardless of how bad the movies were, Man of Steel, there were little moments of of greatness in those movies. And Dude, him him as Superman in Justice League was like the only enjoyable yeah, part. Yeah, it was the only Because he was part. like, they finally made him like cheesy and like and heroic Superman. and heroic Yeah, like they made him heroic. Yeah, like, like the way he was supposed to be. Exactly. Right? With his hands the, on his hips and yeah, like, you know. Except for the CGI mustache, right? Oh, it's just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Tell me, but, do you bleed? Oh, <laughs> oh, man, just so terrible. What did you say that name? Anyway, so, so I, I think that that's not the answer that they're looking for. I, I don't think it's going to be believable and it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's almost like because here's the thing, coming off of a great character, like could anyone else play Iron Man other than Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, 
I don't probably, think so. but not for a long time. And, and, and if somebody did, I don't think it would carry the the longevity that Robert Downey Jr. did. Yeah. And I just I don't I, I see the same thing happening with Wolverine. I don't think that one actor is going to have the longevity unless he absolutely knocks it out of the park that 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 Hugh Jackman did as Wolverine. Yeah. So and, I think that they're going to need they may need to go through a few characters. And Henry Cavill is not that guy like he's not the one that you want to just he's not the guy that you want to bring in to to just kind of throw away exactly and 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 let's talk about so the the this rumor came about on the heels of the casting rumors for captain marvel 2 because the rumor that came in uh, in tandem with this was that henry cavill as wolverine in talks for captain marvel 2 now, that's both exciting and annoying for a couple of reasons, because just Wolverine aside, because personally, I think that the best way to introduce Wolverine into the MCU would be after you've already introduced mutants, and then you introduce them through Weapon X. But yes. that aside, yeah, the idea, what got me excited about this was hearing, okay, mutants and Captain Marvel 2, you immediately think of Rogue. Yes. Because that's like, yes. that is something I think that they could do really well, literally rip it straight from the comic books, and it's a great way to subtly introduce mutants into the Marvel Universe, almost the exact same way they did in the comics. You have, you know, even do it with, like, Mystique and Rogue and her little band of mutants, you know, pulling that little heist or whatever they have when where, where Rogue takes, you know, too much of Carol Danvers' powers yes. and, you know, becomes part of her, and that's how she gets her powers as Rogue and so on and so forth. I think that is an absolutely brilliant way to introduce the concept of mutants into the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, right? And now you've got the Avengers, and the Avengers are going to need another enemy to fight. And one of the best storylines that I, I read, um, I want to say it happened before 2010, was Ultimate X-Men versus Ultimates, right? Which is essentially oh, yeah, the yeah. Ultimate Avengers versus the Ultimate X-Men, good right? Shit. So. So it was really, really good, but it took a lot of the the villain characters like Magneto yep. and a lot of these mutant characters and put them against the Avengers. The Avengers had to go against the Brotherhood of Mutants because the Brotherhood of Mutants were were too powerful and they were taking over, yep. right? Which is a natural storyline. That's great. I love that. I love the way that that works. And I, I really think that that could be the next sort of like – in between movie, right? Yeah. Not like not like an Infinity War, but maybe like Avengers One. Yeah, no, right? it, where it would it be great. And then what you can do is then you take at the end of the story, you take the Avengers and the X Men, and they need to team up against the 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 huge supervillain. Exactly, right? Like like Kang or whoever. See, I would even go kind of like one further, and I would say you do you they they should treat they should treat mutants in the MCU. The same way they treated the Infinity Stones in the original Infinity Saga. Oh, absolutely. Individual movies like Captain Marvel 2, like Doctor Strange 2, like whatever it is, and have introduced each movie has a new mutant character who eventually becomes part of the X-Men. And it can build – and at one point you introduce a Magneto character, right? And it builds to that Avengers 5 movie or whatever it is, let's call it. And and that's – and then you do that Avengers versus X-Men story where it's like, you know, really against Magneto at the end or something like that. And then the X-Men are there like fully into it, you know? even bring in some of the established characters. Yeah, exactly. Like like bring in, you know, Anna Paquin as Rogue would be a really cool – 
cool thing and it would be it would be great it would give people nostalgia it has an already established audience so you you know people are going to grip onto that and and we've said it a, a few different times on the podcast but if you go back and you have an opportunity to find it because it is a little bit difficult to find it's not terribly difficult uh, but if you go and you you look for the movie Days of Future Past and you look for the Rogue Cut, it's so the much Rogue better. Cut is it, it is a very subtle, you know, kind of not really subtle. I mean, there's a you know, it's it's kind of like a, a completely separate scene, but it really separates the story and it makes the whole story much better. Yeah, right. Where Rogue comes in and it's Anna Paquin and she comes in and she takes over for Shadow Cat, absorbing her powers and essentially. Which was awesome. Which is, which is crazy to say. It's like, oh, wait, there's a way to make that movie better? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> I mean, that movie was, was definitely the one movie of the best. The movie was damn near perfect. Yeah. I mean, that like, movie was definitely one of the best yeah. movies, you know, ever. And, and bridging the two different, you know, kind of universes oh, of yeah. X-Men and the two different types of characters. Like, just a brilliant way to do it. Yeah. And, and, and brilliantly acted by a lot of different people. But... You know, like, I think that if you bring back Anna Paquin now as, like, an old, like, as she's older, she's not a teenager anymore, I think it could be really, really cool to see her in a Marvel movie because you still have Kevin Feige behind it. And it's going to be a Marvel movie. It's not going to be a Fox X-Men movie like Dark Phoenix or Age of Apocalypse, those garbage movies that they had. Right. This is going to be a completely separate movie. And I think it could fit in very well. And then you can take the best and brightest, right? From those garbage movies, you take the best and brightest from those movies and you add them in, like you said, in like in movie by movie and you slowly introduce them and it could be really, really cool. And then all of a sudden it all leads up after the big bad. The next thing you do uh, is Scarlet Witch, and at the end of the movie, she goes. Yeah, destroys no everything. Yeah, no be more awesome. mutants. And it would be amazing. And then it is a great way to wipe out so many different mutants and wipe out the entire. And then you can recast, you can reset on the yep. entire universe, and it would be great. Yep. You know, and we're talking, you know, ten years down the line from now, but that's perfect. Exactly. That's like perfect timing. Yeah. Right. Because all of the the, the characters are going to be aged at that point. And you're going to need to introduce new characters anyway, new actors at that point. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be absolutely amazing if they did it that way. Yeah, I'm way on board for it, and I, yeah, I mean, like I like I said, I think if they just they they the key is to just trickle the mutants in, and just give it little bit by bit, and then it's going to be great. Yeah, like just don't throw it all like they. The one thing they cannot do don't is, oversaturate. Yeah, don't don't give us a Batman versus Superman where it's like, oh, all of a sudden here's Wolverine, Cyclops, Rogue, Jean Grey, boom, all in your fucking face at one time because it's not going to make any fucking sense. No. And, I, and I think Feige is smarter than that, I think. I mean, I think that they've, he's earned the benefit of the doubt in he this sure scenario, yeah. you know, I mean, like so. With, with the entire Marvel Universe, which, I mean, we haven't seen any new Marvel movies since Spider-Man. Right. right. So Spider-Man was the last one. And we won't until uh, Black Widow. Yeah, and we won't until Black Widow. And that's not even going to be technically and, new because no. it takes place in the past. Black right, Widow's it takes dead. place in the past and it's not in the future. So it's really going to be interesting what phase four, I guess, this yeah, is. Yeah, well, that's why I'm going to bring forward. That's why I'm super excited for, it kind of brings us into the other thing we want to talk about, all the shows that they've announced. And we talked about this way back when on a past episode when they introduced all these things at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, the slate right. of shows for phase four, which is... Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, the Loki show, 
Um, those are all things that are already in production, almost completed. We're going to get a lot of those this year. Things coming up are things like the Moon Knight show, the She-Hulk show, and other shows. So the She-Hulk show is the one that's been in the news lately yeah. um, because there's two rumors surrounding it. Um, we'll start with the first one, casting rumor. Um, the, the word on the street is that they want to have a, quote, Allison Brie-like person to play uh, Je- Jennifer Walters, I think yeah, her last Jennifer name Walters. is. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, who is She-Hulk, and in the comic books is Bruce Banner's cousin. And now, so, so let's talk about this. She-Hulk is a great character, and I'm I really, love She-Hulk. really excited to talk about this because it really fits into exactly what we were just talking about before. Here is a female established character who is a brilliant character. Talk about women empowerment. She is a female tough as nails lawyer right right and she's smart as hell sharp as a tack really really and 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 attractive at the same time so she's the mix of beauty and personality and brains and she's the complete package and then she becomes in order to save bruce banner's life she does a blood transfusion other, other way other, other way, way around. around right he right. doesn't save her sorry, life. yeah sorry, yeah so in order to save her life Bruce Banner does a blood transfusion with her, but because he's got the gamma in his blood, she becomes the She-Hulk. Which is so great. Which is so cool. But however, almost like it was in Infinity, uh, or excuse me, Avengers Endgame, uh, she is the Hulk just always. Right. But she's not, it's not like she's a raging Hulk. She's very smart. She still keeps her intelligence. Right. And she actually is a lawyer as the Hulk. Now, the problem is, a little bit of the same problem that you're running into with, you know, the kind of Wolverine thing is that She-Hulk's supposed to be like 6'6 or 6'7. I don't know how tall she's yeah. been. She's huge. She's very, very tall. No, still lean, toned, like awesome, smart as an attack, right? But now she can just kick ass. She can, she can, you know, punch through walls and everything. And she's awesome. But, you know, she's, she's just... She's this different character, and I just don't see Allison Brie being yeah. that character. So this is the challenging thing, because if you look at the comics, and I don't know why this is, but for some reason, She-Hulk, throughout the years, her stature in the comic books varies wildly <laughs> depending on who the artist is. Very similar to Venom. Right? Yeah, like Very so- similar to a Venom Exactly. Guy, like, sometimes she looks like she's about... 5'10", 5'11", and just yeah. super jacked. Yeah. And other times, she looks like she's as tall as the Hulk, like seven, yeah. eight feet tall, you know? Yeah. So it's like, so what Marvel will have to do, what Marvel Studios will have to do is um, figure out how they're going to do it. Because they have two options, frankly. They have a strictly a makeup option, kind of like, you know, the way they did with the scrolls, just like full-on makeup. Yeah. Or they do motion capture. And frankly, right. I think that... Just given what we've seen in the past with this type of character, uh, like Mark Ruffalo was obviously full motion capture. Yeah. I think that they would cast Even a Josh person Roland, like right? exactly. Josh Roland exactly. Thanos. Thanos look great. I think movies. they would cast a person like Allison Brie, and when she's in Hulk form, just do full mocap and make her more, you know, like her 6'10, 6'11 figure, you know, bigger. But that's the thing, because like she is always the Hulk. She doesn't transform like Bruce Banner does. 
she's well, always yeah, right. depending on what era of the comic book right. you're looking she's at. Yeah, but more more often line. more often than not, she's yeah, always she's you're right. Always the whole. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, like you said, Josh Brolin, he was full mocap and the entire he filmed the entire yeah. movie in that fucking yeah. suit, just like yeah, uh, James Spader did when he was Ultron. He when filmed he the entire Ultron. fucking movie right. in the suit with that big the the behind the scenes photos are great because he has that giant um, stick with a ball on his head yeah, and like the, the ball exactly is. like that's where like when people were acting towards him they'd be acting at the ball because that's going to be his head not james spader's face so it's like they'd have to do something like that you know which is just i mean that in its own right is just like how as an actor do you get into character it's when so you're funny. when you're literally looking at this like stick with a ball at the top like, like like talk about the talent of actors yeah. like, you have to be like an incredible actor to, like to get into the character when you're just exactly looking at something like that but so so i i think that allison brie um, and we should probably mention this for those of you that don't listen to our show or don't know these type of things. Alison Brie, you most likely know her from Glow. She is yeah. Zoya the Destroyer. Zoya the Destroyer. She's, she's, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's amazing. amazing in Glow. She's Honestly, she's, she's, a, she's amazing in everything actress. that she's in. Everything yeah. I've seen her and I've loved her. She's yeah. fantastic. So I think 100%. that – so is the so the question, does she have the acting chops to play this role? Absolutely. A thousand percent. Will she be able to do it if they decide to go uh, makeup and not mocap? No, because she's Absolutely tiny not. and thin. Yeah. Like, and no, no amount of muscle she could put on would make her look um, passable as She-Hulk. So no way. No way. they have to go full mocap. But I think if they go with her, I think it could be a good choice. Yeah, I mean, it, it, she definitely has the acting chops. She can definitely do it. If they did motion capture, then I think that they're going to go with a storyline very similar to the Hulk, which would be a little bit disappointing to me. Where it's where she transforms, right? And it gives the difference. I think they would keep. I think they would keep her full on, um, like Hulk the entire time. I mean, it would be interesting. It yeah. would certainly be interesting. Oh, and, 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 and a, a huge challenge for for Alice Brie. That would definitely yeah. have to show her acting chops. But and the only reason I think that they would go full on with her as the Hulk the entire time is only because they've done the the savage hulk with mark ruffalo and i yes. feel like movie fans because we, we only got one movie of smart hulk right yeah and it was awesome it, it, was, was, great. it was great yeah and I, hulk. I and yeah. i think fans really reacted to that and i think that they would like more of that and i think we've already like i mean you know the one of the great things about the complexity of the character of the hulk both in the comic books and the movies is just that that he's always torn between both sides of his personality. Right. But honestly, we've seen that a lot in the movies. And Mark Ruffalo did a great job with it. But I think it would be best if they took her and just made her, as soon as she gets the blood transfusion or however they decide to do it, boom, she's the Hulk forever. Yeah, I agree, right? Like, you could have this great scene where, and like, you can actually, like, there's so... Where she bangs the juggernaut. Remember that in the comments? <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. But... Where, where the bed is all, like, broken and their legs are hanging off because they're so Ridiculous. fucking big. <laughs> but I think you could do a great scene and you could actually, you could make it a really cool and interesting show, like, if you made it about being a lawyer, right? Like, look at some of the greatest shows on TV, right? Yeah. Look at things like Better Call Saul or even, you know, like Law & Order. Right. Where they have half the show is a police show and half the show is a lawyer show right. where they're in trial and everything like that. Right. Where you have that's the whole point of the show where she's a lawyer and she's trying people. Right. And she's on trial. But what an amazing scene watching 
her as She-Hulk walking through the doors and into the courtroom, like, and everyone just is like wowed at her appearance and like intimidated by her appearance. And she's in like the coolest, like smartest business suit. Right. And she yep. just shows up there tough and smart as nails. Right. And, and just like, and just goes in and just, you know, crushes this, this trial. Right. And then would be really make it an interesting show. That's not a typical superhero show where she's actually, you know, like, like following through, like all the time you see like, superheroes and they're beating up bad guys and then the cops come and then it's over but you never see what happens after that right this could be what happens after that and that would be a great way to introduce more mutants into the mcu because one of the things you see her do in the comics a lot is she's she's acting as counsel for other super-powered individuals that have gotten themselves in trouble with the law for whatever reason. So what a great way to further the mutant um, presence in the Marvel Universe by having, let's just say, like, you know, a mutant who, like, lost control of his powers and injured somebody is now is on trial and she's defending them as She-Hulk, as a superhuman who has trouble controlling her powers through, like, that's part of her, you know, defense. That would be, like, really powerful, I think. Yeah, agreed. And, like, what amazing stories that they would be able to write. I mean, especially with mutants and, like, the whole... The whole point of mutants was it was it was almost social commentary on um, on on not only almost it absolutely was on on, on, you know on on homosexuals at that time yeah homosexuals race everything everything it was it was social commentary on all of that and you could have that and really make it interesting where she is the defender of the oppressed she is the voice of the voiceless right like. She is the person that's defending these people who are oppressed and persecuted just because they were born different, right? Exactly. And what a a compelling story because I think that that story is still as relevant and unfortunately is as relevant today as it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago, right? And I think that you could do a really, really, really good job. If you go back, right? Go back into the the 70s. Actually, I think it might have come out in the 80s. But one of the best Lou Ferrigno Hulk movies that came out was Trial of the Incredible Hulk, right? Where he's actually on trial and then Matt Murdock is actually his lawyer, right? Where you have something like that, where you can cross over storylines and you can bring people together. And even if it's just a one-off more so. I think it should be just one-off episodes where you have this blip because then you have people craving it and you can't wait. Like, oh, my favorite character. And you get back to the way it was back in the olden days where you turn into a show or turn on a show just to be able to see this one ancillary character that you never get a chance to see on screen and he just happens to be on screen for this one episode yep you know i mean they did it with all of the different cartoons in the 90s which were amazing right like x-men and spider-man and and um uh uh, even the, the superman and batman uh cartoon shows where they had like one episode where they'd write in these other characters and it would be so cool because you'd want to turn in just to tune in to watch that one character in, on that episode. I think you could do the same thing where you wouldn't have to make it this drawn out storyline. You wouldn't have to make it this huge, you know, kind of crossover, you know, Avengers style thing where it could just be a one off episode and then that's it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I, I, I'm really excited for the She-Hulk show because the other rumor 
that came out around the casting rumors was Mr. Mark Ruffalo coming out and talking about that there's talks of his character, Bruce Banner and the Hulk, appearing in She-Hulk, which, which, would be amazing. which, which you know, feels like a no-brainer because obviously if they're going with comic-accurate story mind, they'd yep. have to have him. Yeah, 100%. Um, but even if they didn't go with comic-accurate storyline and made her the Hulk in, in some other way, um, it would still be cool to have the Hulk in there because, like, let's say they go a different way and they do a more... Um, they do go with, like, the savage She-Hulk where she has uh, the transformation element of it. A really cool thing could be Bruce Banner coming in as Smart Hulk and acting as, like, her mentor. Or whatever. they like, hey, I've been there. Let me show you how this works, you know, like... Stuff like that. Yeah, or, or her her um, her outlet, right? Where she's venting, right? She has She's going through a tough trial and she doesn't yeah. have anyone else that knows what it's like to be the Hulk. And she has to go and she sits down with Mark Ruffalo. And then all of a sudden he's just in there again for one episode. And it would just be amazing because it would just be such a cool surprise that you could have in the show. And it would just tie the whole show together. I'll tell you what I really want to see is that I want to see the She-Hulk show introduce some of those classic Hulk villains because the one thing as amazing as Mark Ruffalo is as the Hulk the one thing that we have been absolutely robbed of for the better part of a decade is another solo Hulk movie and I understand the reasons behind that there were some licensing things with Universal and like whatever and I'm honestly not sure if that's still an issue I think it might be I'm not really sure Um, but regardless the one of the one of my favorite parts of the Hulk movie with Edward Norton was that scene at the end towards the end of the movie where the character that he'd been talking to, Mr. Blue um, or Mr. Pink, whatever it was, yeah. um, uh, ended up being Sam Stearns, right. who we all know ends up being the leader. the leader. And there's that scene at the end where, like, you know, he hulks out in the chair or whatever, and his and Sam Stearns is on the ground, and the blood drips into like a yeah, cut gamma, that he yeah, has, the yeah, the gamma yeah, blood, yeah, right? Yeah, and his head blood. starts to mutate a little yeah. bit. And I was like, because the leader is one of the coolest characters or coolest villains. In Marvel Comics, and it's very much a Superman Lex Luthor dichotomy: yeah, the much. brains versus bronze. Yeah. And I think it would be great to introduce either a character like the Leader or some of those other classic Hulk villains that we just haven't been able to see because the Hulk only appears in ensemble movies. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And it's because it's so hard to write a compelling Hulk story, right? And and I I, I think I've I've talked about it in past episodes, but my dream because it was my favorite character and my favorite version of the Hulk would be to see a gangster Hulk movie and have him as Mr. Fix-It, where he is a Las Vegas gangster, right? And he's just the muscle for... For like you know some mafia don in Las Vegas, you could do you, casino. Oh. Imagine if it was like like you have Robert Downey Jr. or Joe Pesci or whoever, whomever, right? You bring them in, right? And and you have the Hulk as Mister Fix It being the muscle behind this this. Mafia I just don. had a great idea. Casino with Casino meets the Incredible Hulk. That two classics. Boom. Dude, I just had a great idea. Okay. What if a plot point in the She-Hulk show is that the 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 Mark Ruffalo cameo is we've seen it's like you know two or three years after the events of Endgame, and mm. Hulk is working as that Las Vegas bouncer, right? As Mister Fix It, 
gets himself into a little bit of trouble, as people are wont to do in Las Vegas, yep. call, calls his cousin, who is a, a lawyer, lawyer, to defend him, and him that's how, it. like, man, like, wouldn't that be great? Really like, and you can have, like, some real comedic elements to that, too, you know? It's like, I can just see something where it's like, they're, they're talking, like, attorney-client privilege, it's like, did you really break that guy's arm? And he's like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah of course I broke his arm. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's the whole thing. When he was Mr. Fix-It, he's this wise-cracking, yeah. like, jerk of a character. He's like a lax bro as, as, as the Hulk, right? And I think, I think it would be such a different version than we've seen in the, the movies, and it would be, like, a really fun... I think I think and and like I think it would be really funny, yeah. almost like almost like Thor Ragnarok, where you get to see a yeah. different version. Like Thor Ragnarok was very very different than the previous two Thor oh, movies, totally. and like you got to see a different version of Thor in that movie. Where I, I think that you could see a different version of the Hulk in uh, as Mister Fix It, and it would be great. And I'd doing really that would and it, and it would really fit in with the sort of um, like the mo of how they've been doing the Hulk in these movies because. The one great thing about the Hulk is that even though he hasn't had a solo movie since the Edward Norton movie, they've done things specifically for him to advance his character. And every time we've seen him since the Edward Norton movie, he's evolved in one way or another. So, like, you know, in Avengers, we learn about how he's kind of learned to control his anger. And then in in, in Avengers Age of Ultron, we learn that that, like, you know, might not entirely be true. And then, right. and then when we see him again in um, uh, in Ragnarok, he's only the Hulk, and the Hulk has taken over. And then we see him again, you know, in Infinity War, and it's like the Hulk won't come out. Right. And, like, and so his character exactly. So his right. character has been evolving through all of these movies. So it would make sense to just continue that evolution. Yeah, I and agree. just a different way. And you wouldn't need to make him gray. You wouldn't have to to make him gray. <laughs> It'd be so sweet though. It would, it would be so sweet if they did. It would be really, really, really cool if they did. But you don't have to, right? Right, and you could you could make him green and just in the suit, you know, and he wears so, like the sharp so ass, like cool pinstripe suit. It would be awesome, right? And you could even, you know what? Go go all the way. Hire Pierre David to write the script. Oh man, how sweet would that be? Now we're talking. You know that, that yeah. way you have or at least like one episode. Yeah, or, or at least, yeah, at yeah, least like, one episode or, or something so like dumb. that. Like. Like, you could have him come in. Now, for those of you who don't know, Peter David is actually the person who was the author for this storyline, for the Mr. Fix-It storyline. Well, I believe he, it was in the late 80s. And he's, like, like the definitive Hulk writer. Like, yeah. he, he's done... He's, he is, like, to the Hulk what Chris Claremont is to the X-Men. Like, and, he has done so much for that character. And this was the storyline that created the Professor Hulk, where yep. it was it, Green Hulk became the Grey Hulk, he became Mr. Fix-It, where he was kind of like the blend, where he had some intelligence, but he wasn't as strong right. as the Savage Hulk. And there were some weird things in there, like he got stronger when it was a full moon and some weird things there. Anyway. <laughs> I, I forgot about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to write all that kind of stuff. He turned into an Uzzaro. But like what you could do is that you 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 bring in, you know, Peter David to, to write these episodes, and then you know, maybe you could even have that battle between Grey Hulk and Green Hulk. Because that's essentially it was it was Mr. Fix It and he's evolving and he had the the conflict, and it was really a cool dichotomy because you always see shows and everything about the Hulk is that Bruce Banner is afraid of the Hulk, yep. but when it was Mr. Fix It. He enjoyed being Mr. Fix-It. He had all the girls. He had all the money. He yeah. was well-known. And he was a 
afraid yep. of turning back into Bruce Banner. So it was the Hulk being afraid of Bruce Banner rather than Bruce Banner being afraid of turning into awesome. this savage monster. It was a reverse of, and it was just such a good story. And then, of course, the the Gray Hulk fought the Green Hulk in his own personality, and then that's what created Professor Hulk, right? Where he had the all of the intelligence, all of the strength, and he was just you know you know super duper strong, and it was like the best version of the Hulk. And a big shout out to Peter David while we're on the topic. Big shout Meeting out. him at the East Coast Comic Con a couple of years ago was one of the single coolest moments of my entire life because I've always been a fan of his writing. And he sat there, unlike a lot of those people when you meet at cons, he sat there. And, and I still to this day, I do not understand why his table was not full of people. Yeah. I think most because most people are probably just idiot fucking Fairweather fanboy idiot fans who don't know who Peter David is. I was fucking jizzing my pants when I saw that Peter David was sitting right there. And that guy sat and talked to me for like 20 minutes about um, his run on Young Justice, the TV show, his run on Spider-Man in the late 80s with all the Hobgoblin stuff, which is one of my favorite story arcs like ever in terms of Spider-Man. Like, and he was just so cool, so real, just sat there and, and, and shot the shit with me and Anthony for like... 20 minutes, and then he signed a bunch of fucking uh, uh, Young Justice scripts that he I was had written. He, he gave you screenplays. He gave too. me screen. He gave me screenplays, original screenplays for three of the episodes because he pretty much wrote all of Young all, Justice. All of Young Justice um, right. And he he wrote uh, he signed three different issue. I'm sorry, three different episodes um, for me. It happened to be three of my favorite episodes of from the first and second season, and it was just it was so fucking cool. Yeah. So if so you have cool. if you have the opportunity, if you see Peter David is going to be at a convention that you have an opportunity yeah. to go to, strongly go, go. recommend, go to that convention, go see, meet Peter David, chat with him. He's a great guy. Get a chance to, to just kind of dive into the mind of one of the most brilliant comic book writers, yep. you know, ever. So before we wrap up, we have one last thing we just need to talk about. Yeah, we, we really need to talk about this. Because... And, uh, and we may go a little long talking about this, so hang with us, true reviewers. Wait, I feel like you and I are about to say different things. Uh-oh. I don't know. Are we? All right, what's the last thing that you want to talk about? I just want to quickly talk about how, at the end of Venom, we all ragged on this Woody Harrelson yeah. for his stupid wig and him going... There's going to be carnage. Oh, which is just the, right? the worst line. So, it was, and he had the, it looked like Sideshow Bob. Dude. Like he had a Sideshow Bob wig on. So just when we thought it couldn't get any worse, they've released some set photos from Venom 2 of Woody Harrelson, and he's gone from Sideshow Bob to cheap porn director. Yeah, like this, so co- this so costume that he has, we'll, we'll post it on our Instagram page. It's like the brightest, douchiest, like Kmart special Hawaiian shirt with this like Hitler Youth haircut, like combed down in the front of his head, and it's like bright orange, and it's like and and but here's the thing though, I kind of like it it's because so ridiculous. well because so here so here's the thing that a lot of people forget <laughs> about Carter that Steve Buscemi meme like Dude, hello, right hello fellow, fellow kids. kids. See, here's the thing that a lot of people forget about Carnage. Underneath the Carnage symbiote is Cletus Cassidy. And you you don't get a lot of this in the comics. You have to kind of know what issues to read to find this backstory out. But Cletus Cassidy, before he became Carnage, was just like the most hillbilly, 
kick-ass redneck dirtbag, like just sleaze ball through and through, and like that's what Woody Harrelson looks like in this in this photo. But he was also a brutal serial killer. Well, yeah, yeah. but yes, yeah. but also a fucking sleazeball yeah, like redneck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He did wear the Hawaiian shirts though. Well, exactly. That, that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it is comic accurate. I think it's just seeing. His hair is not though. Yeah, it's just <laughs> seeing Woody Harrelson in that because like. I still don't know if I, I – here's my problem. It's like Woody Harrelson I think can do the part, but I, I can't help but just laugh. I feel like he's going to be funny in the role. I don't feel like he's going to be scary. Like no, I don't think he's going to be crazy. I think he's going to be like comical almost, which yeah. which could work. Like it could, but I'm just – I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, I don't know either. I have to see it to, to make a, a – I can't wait to see it. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> I, mean, I, can't, I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be hilarious. I really liked Venom 1. Um, yeah, we, I did too. We, we talked we about did, it. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. We, we yeah. did our review of it, but I, 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 I will, I will stand on, I will stand on my soapbox that Venom, the first Venom movie, was about thirty minutes and like fifty percent CGI away from being a good movie. Yeah, it was too short. Should have been longer, and it should have done had way less CGI in the final battle. But aside from that, it's a pretty good movie. And I would say that it's better than ninety five percent of DC comic book movies. Yeah, hundred fucking percent. Yeah, it's not better than Shazam and Wonder Woman. But that's about it. That's about it. Yeah, yeah that's like, about it. That's yeah. the only two that it's not better yeah. than. <laughs> Um, but, so you, you were going to talk about yeah so so there is something that I do want to talk about right and and we may go a little long with this so so hang in there because I think this is really interesting and it's it's something that I've been wanting to talk about on the show for a little while and let's talk about let's talk about movies that are bigger than movies so right right, right now I'm that. I'm the kid in the meme, you know, with like the, the vein popping out of his head because he wants to say something because he's so just like because so so it came out this week. It was released the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker novel. Now, with every single other movie, there have always been there have been novels written about always, it. Always. And they have a little additional information. Yeah, they take some liberties sometimes. That that was added. In yeah. fact, I think that the First mention of the Sith was not until one of the books of the original. Like they don't mention the Sith. I'm honestly at, not sure. In the original trilogy, I don't think they ever mentioned the Sith at all. They never called Darth Vader the Dark Lord of the Sith. I don't think that they ever did. You no, know, I, I honestly don't know. To tell you the truth, yeah, it's I, been a while since I, I watched I the original. Think that trilogy. It wasn't until one of the novelizations of the book. Yeah, I honestly don't um, know that they ever mentioned the the Sith being a thing. And then once I'm sure, the, enemy, I'm sure, enemy of the podcast one, will correct us. Yeah, on this. you know, please, please let us know. Please correct us because we we admit that we don't we don't know exactly when it was. But I'm almost 100 percent positive that it wasn't in the original movies. Anyway, so. With the Rise of Skywalker novelization, they have come out to say that A, Emperor Palpatine was a clone. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> which which was I guess hinted at, but not really, but it wasn't because he was old and he was in this chair and obviously being kept alive by these like these like injections that No, he it had wasn't there. hinted at because they showed you the stupid fucking Snokes. chambers and it was Snokes. Yeah, there were no Palpatines, there were Snokes. Yeah. Fucking and then, stupid. And then the other thing that they talked about was that the kiss between Ray and Ugh. 
and uh, and Kylo was not romantic. Yeah, like right? okay, like, listen, if you what? like, listen, in that movie, man, Kylo Ren was two seconds away from making Rey sit on his fucking face. Do not give me that bullshit that that kiss was not romantic. Was so she cute. wanted the D, he wanted the V. Point blank, simple. Yeah, and she wasn't. He wasn't interested in. And watch out, the internet may hate me for using a fictional character's quote-unquote slave name, but FN2187, FN right, or whatever <laughs> is whatever he was, right? His slave name. Right? His, his slave name. I've seen people go nuts <laughs> all over Twitter. They get so mad when you refer to him as his, as his slave name, right, instead of calling him Finn. Oh, my right? God. So, so, like... He like, like he he obviously like the whole thing that he wanted to tell Ray was obviously not that he was in love with her, but that he right. was force sensitive. Right. right? It was very obvious. It was very clear. It was very very that like that was one of the only things in that entire movie that was clear. Ray, <laughs> Ray. <laughs> but so the problem is, is that you've got this movie right now, unlike. Any other movie that's out there, you need in order to understand the movie, you need an encyclopedia that they <laughs> that they brought out, and you need to now read an entire book. It, it literally tells the same story that the movie told. Yeah. In order to understand the complete story of the movie that they showed, right? It's dumb. It's so stupid. it's so dumb. Like like I really think that, and and what I hope in the future is that we almost get like what happened with Terminator Dark Fate that we get sort of just like a retcon where we're just like, eh, forget those movies ever happened and Dude, let's just go like, with this movie instead. It's one of those things. It's like movies are literal moving pictures. That's where the term movie comes from. They are moving pictures. The whole purpose of a movie is that you do not need to, with words, explain everything. That is the purpose of a moving picture yeah right you can and show dialogue not tell show don't tell and this this whole novelization thing to me is like the natural freak progression of all the shit that we just ingested as kids growing up where you used to have and i'm guilty of this i used to have like tons of star wars encyclopedias that would have yeah. all this backstory information that wasn't in the movies but you know the kind of information that it had on there it had the kind of information that was not critical to the plot of the movie. Yes. It told me where guys like Ponda Baba came, came yes. from. Yes. Ponda Baba is the guy that got his arm chopped off by Obi-Wan in the cantina in A New Hope. Right. Or, it told me things like that. IG-88 exactly. or the, the, They were there for two seconds exactly. in Empire Strikes Back. It gave know? me a bunch of cool backstory on characters that I thought were interesting just simply because of the way they looked or the one or two scenes they had in the movie, but were in no way critical to the broader main plot of the movie. Yeah. Now, it it's all. evolved into this bullshit where as Anthony said you can't watch the movie you can't understand the movie without reading all this goddamn stuff like I don't want homework with my fucking movies okay no, that's not why I go to the movies I graduated college I have my degree yeah. I'm done doing homework and I think the problem is it's because it's Star Wars right like it's Star Wars it's because J.J. So Abrams sucks well, that's why he's not a good storyteller it's just Fuck not it. he's not a good storyteller and there was too many cooks in the kitchen and like like Anyone who goes out there and tries to defend Rise of Skywalker for being a good movie, you're wrong. You're, you're just so wrong. wrong. You're wrong. I'm sorry. It's not a good movie. It was a bad movie. It was 
poor storytelling, like just from a storytelling, like, look, when you watch a movie, it is moving pictures, but it's a story. You're telling a story, right? Just like a book does, just like anything does, right? So like you're, you're, if you have to have all of these other things that you have to have, if you have to have a reference guide to this movie, that means it's not a good movie. It means it's not a good movie. You need to tell that entire story within the movie, and they the, the annoying thing is that they could have done it very, very easily. It could have been one line of dialogue at the bottom of the screen, right? Where, like, it just, like, oh, like, this is Exegol, or this is Mustafar, right? Or, like, whatever, right? Like, whatever you want. Like, you could just have it, like, as one, just, just a... Just a, a, just just words at the bottom of the screen. You don't have to tell. You just show it, and then you get it. You understand it. Well, they had that in the opening crawl, and they totally it was the dead speak. Emperor oh. Palpatine is oh, back. I almost so walked bad. out of the theater right then yeah. and there. Like yeah, I fucking I couldn't take it. I read I I watched the opening scroll for oh, that movie, God. and I just I I looked at my fiance. I was just like. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're in for it. Yeah, I said the exact same thing. I looked at Campbell. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be bad. This yeah. is gonna be bad." And so, I was right. So I think that the problem is that they get away with it because Star Wars is larger than a movie. It's, it's larger. It, it is the largest movie franchise. It has an entire universe. It has the most hardcore fans. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's, that's the only reason that they get away with it. And there's going to be, you know, some people that enjoy it and they're, they want to clamor for it and like, Oh, you know, I actually know the inside scoop. Well, it's not that, you know, the inside scoop, like, like, like Matt was saying, like, like you were saying, it's, it's, it's like, you want to have those encyclopedias to tell you the things about those little ancillary, like, I want to know about, um, Babu Frick, right? Right. Like, tell me the backstory of Babu Frick, right? Like, that's fine. Yep. Like, tell me that his backstory in it, or you know, that little stupid whatever Spyver spy droid that they had yeah. in there that was the dumbest, useless, most useless character, or even that, that, that they shit. replaced. You know, like some R2-D2 of the better. Yeah, well, R two D two. Look, why wasn't R two D two a bigger character? He he was. Yeah, he he's like the crucial character in the entire story, and he's not even there anyway. <laughs> but. Like, tell me about, like, all of those other things. Tell me about the Knights of Ren. That's fine. That's fine, right? But don't don't change the way that the main story is just by, like, by, like, adding these, these little things because you think that it'll make people like it better. It's just, it, I don't. You already made the movie. You told the story. You can't retell it in a different way and say, oh, well, both are canon, right? No, both are not canon, uh, because they're completely different. The Rise of Skywalker is the worst movie, unequivocally, of 2019. Well, definitely. Far and away. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Certainly, at least, to say, maybe not the worst movie, but certainly the most disappointing. Yeah. Definitely the most disappointing. Right. I think I think it was more disappointing than Dark Phoenix, because I knew that Dark Phoenix oh, was absolutely. Be a terrible movie going into it. But remember, true reviewers... Batman vs. Superman remains the worst movie of False. all time. False. The False. worst it's movie great, of great all time. Great background movie. You put the it on the background when you're drinking with your buds. There's some great scenes. Great movie. I, yeah, Batman vs. Superman. Great movie. All right, true reviewers. Well, you know the drill. Go to Instagram. Like our shit. Go to Facebook. Like our shit as well. Follow and subscribe on SoundCloud, Google, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Coming soon. Coming soon. A YouTube channel. Oh, a YouTube channel. Which you're going to be very excited about, but uh, I'm we'll very get there excited eventually. about it. Yeah. So uh, thanks, as always, for tuning in. True Review.
Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Womp, womp, womp. Take two. <laughs> Take Thanks, two. as always, for tuning in. And, as always, stay tuned, reviewers. Yeah, you stay tuned.